This is episode 44, a special episode on maternal mental health. In this specific conversation, you'll hear from three different mothers who experience either postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, and sharing their own journey and insights so that it can help you when you become a mom, when you have your baby. I never thought that it would happen to me. But another thing that I've come to learn is that it can happen to anyone. Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? Or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all? Or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Hi, welcome mamas. Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love Podcast. We are the month of October, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. So I wanted to focus on maternal mental health today and uh, next week as well, sharing conversations with moms. Some of them are living in the United States. Some of them are living in Canada because mental health and especially when you're a new mom or uh, you have little kids at home, it can take a toll on your mental health. But one thing we don't talk about as openly, and there's lots of shame, lots of hush-hush around the topic still, although it's getting a little better with, with access to social media, is talking about things such as postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, statements such as, oh, that's just normal. That's what it feels like being a mom with a newborn or being a mom with a six-month-old or being a mom with a three-month-old. That's normal. And for some of us, it's not normal. I'll share some quick little stats with you so you can really understand what I'm talking about. Based on recent research and stats, I took these from PSI website, so Postpartum Support International, Did you know that one in seven women will have postpartum depression in the first three months of having a baby? After three months, it goes up to one in five. Doesn't happen right away for everyone. And that's why we get so confused is because there's so many different ways it can show up for a new mom. And that's why I have five different mothers sharing today's episode and next week how they experienced it and the reasons behind it are not always the same, but it might give you insight, better insight and understanding and educate you around this topic. And none of these mothers talking today are physicians or doctors or mental health professionals. But I really wanted to get how they felt, how they experienced it. And maybe you can relate a bit more with their stories and how they're feeling. If you want to get more information, I will link a few amazing resources on citruslove.com slash episode 44. That will give you more specific information and also some helplines which you can speak with a professional if you're not sure where to go to get more information about your situation. That being said, I want to clarify the difference quickly between baby blues and postpartum depression because there are tons of confusion. And I know when I had my first child almost five years ago, I had no clue what it was and the difference. So if you're pregnant, if you know someone that's pregnant, if you're a new mom and you're not sure if this is normal new mom emotions in life, then let me just break it down. 
So the baby blues happens up to 80% of mothers happens within the first few days of giving birth and two weeks postpartum. According to Karen Kleinman, an ex- international expert on postpartum depression, her, how she defines baby blues is it's not actually an illness. It resolves on its own. It is often confused with postpartum depression because of the sadness and crying that are so common in both conditions. However, unlike postpartum depression in baby blues, the sadness and crying comes and goes with periods of pleasure and can usually be shaken off with support, a nap, or by getting out of the house. And that's brought on by hormone changes, uh, breastfeeding, transitions from the hospital to the home, and it's temporary. It will go away uh, the time for the body and yourself to adapt to your new mom life. If it goes beyond those two weeks, most often it will be another form of mental health. One that's very common is postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression for mothers. I also wanted to mention that a newer way of describing this maternal mental health and this spectrum of disorders and illnesses that might happen to some mothers. It's called perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, PMAD. It can start during a pregnancy up until postpartum. Although we do mention postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression, other disorders on the spectrum are post-traumatic stress disorder, OCD, bipolar disorders, postpartum psychosis. So these are other illnesses on the spectrum. But one thing you need to know that it is not your fault. You are not alone in this. This is not a reflection of your abilities to be a mom. However you might be feeling, it is temporary. It will get better if you seek support and in some cases, professional help. So that's just what I'm going to say today because we could go on and on about this. But this is an episode to focus on these mothers and how they experienced it. And also I made sure to ask each and every one of them what they did specifically to help them overcome the postpartum depression and to actually get themselves back on track, feel better, and to be happier mothers. The first mother is Jen Worth. She lives in New Jersey in United States and is a mother of two girls who experience postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression with her second child. So let's listen to her story. I have two children and they are uh, three and a half years old, two uh, two girls. And then the baby is 16 months old, um, Natalie and Kayla. And I only experienced postpartum anxiety and depression um, with my second. This did not come on until I was around four, four and a half months postpartum. So everything prior to that had been normal life as a mom, adjusting to two young kids close in age. Um, It wasn't easy, but we were managing. Um, So mine came on a lot later, which I think is something that myself and so many people aren't educated on. Mm -hmm. Um, Society makes you think that it's something that happens shortly after given birth. Why do you think you experienced it with your second as opposed to as a first-time mom? Basically, it all started with this horrible, horrible, scary thought um, that came over me when I was playing with my baby one morning um, on tummy time. And that thought just became like an obsession. And I obsessed over it. It scared me. Um, I was thinking like, who, what mom thinks like this? What was the thought? It was just regarding my baby and the what ifs of like, if I hurt her or if she got hurt, there was no, like no reason why that thought would ever come across my mind. And you can imagine how myself or other moms feel that have the same very, very common thought, like what is wrong with you? And you feel like a monster and 
so I didn't say anything because I did not know that that was like a normal, very, very, very common symptom. So with my first, I didn't, I didn't experience, I think it was just more like normal anxiety and worry, sleep deprivation, but nothing that took over my mind and my life like this did. So um, it can, it can look like you had said so many different ways on all different moms. And this horrible thought that I had had is referred to as an intrusive thought. And they're just scary thoughts. They seem so incredibly real at the time, but oftentimes they're not real. They're just brought on by anxiety, but our minds make us believe otherwise. Why do and you think so- it, it happened at that moment? Like, was it really just random? So random. Yeah. I had never heard until things got really bad that I reached out and and got help that when I was sharing this story with the therapist that I had gotten set up with, she didn't even like move off of her seat. And she's like, okay, you're, you're having an intrusive thought. And I had never heard of that word before. From that first thought, did it keep coming back every day? And when did you actually say, okay, I need to speak to someone about this? I don't know in Canada how they refer to it, but um, here in the U.S., we are calling it more perinatal mood and anxiety disorders because it is a spectrum um, and it can look different on everyone. And it can happen during pregnancy, which not a lot of people know or postpartum or both. So that's like the perinatal part. And there is, so depression and anxiety are one of them or two of them. And then you could also have OCD, which I always thought was just like, you're obsessed with cleaning or, (laughs) you know, checking things. But um, the OCD part of it comes from being obsessed about something. And it's usually like an intrusive thought. So this was the same reoccurring thought that just haunted me and I could not get out of my mind. And it came the most um, when I was alone or when I was alone with my baby. I would say it was probably happening, I can't even tell you how many times a day. Just normal, you know, playing tummy time as happy as can be. Um, Our second baby was easy from the second she was born. So easy, laid back, breastfeeding was so much easier. Like I really thought I had everything um, put together. So no, it wasn't like anything triggering that would, that would ever make a mom feel that way. And there's so many, many common intrusive thoughts. Um, and it could be, you know, towards your baby, it could be towards yourself. And they're all just like, what if, um, very common ones are, women have intrusive thoughts of, you know, falling down the stairs while they're holding their baby or their baby drowning, going underwater while they're giving them a bath. And it's just something that pops in your head randomly and you can't get it out because it's so scary. And Mm -hmm. I've also learned that if your intrusive thought or thoughts scare you, that that's actually a really, really good sign that they're not real. You're not going to act on them. It's just your anxiety society, myself included, prior to um, suffering, thought that it doesn't happen to everybody. And I never thought that it would happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had zero risk factors. There would there would be no reason, I would think, that, that something like this would ever happen. Um, but another thing that I've come to learn is that it can happen to anyone. I had severe postpartum depression and anxiety. So I put in a ton of work um, with therapy, group therapy, and antidepressant. And from what I've learned that when it's time to seek help um, is when it is interfering with you know, you living your everyday life, um, you being a mom that's present and being able to take care of not only you, but your child mm-hmm. or your children, if you have more than one. And you just know, you know, when something is not right, worrying like, you know, are they cold? Are they hot? Are they tired? Um, versus I haven't slept in four days because every single time I try to go to sleep, I have this reoccurring thought that my child is not going to wake up. Like something's going to happen. And it's a very common thought. 
as you know, sleep deprivation is a real thing and the lack of sleep is the absolute worst for anxiety. And that is also another factor that can play into someone suffering from this severely. Is that one of the symptoms you experienced personally? Oh yeah. So I went from basically um, out of nowhere, had this horrible thought. It took over my mind and my life. Women that are that tend to be like type A, we like being in control. Um, we're empaths, we love helping others. That's the type of woman that typically does suffer because at this time I had no control over how I was feeling. And I am normally a very happy, outgoing, I'm very self-motivated person. And I was anything but that. And I could not control this horrible thought that just kept coming back. I had no idea what it was because I, I never once thought that it was postpartum depression. I never even heard of postpartum anxiety, which mm -hmm. blows my mind because I have two children. Never thought that it could be that because of what I thought postpartum depression was. Yeah. How long did it take you to seek help? So I would say it was about a month or so. Uh, things just got progressively worse, mostly because I couldn't fall asleep at night when, when it was quiet. I just couldn't shut my mind off. If I did fall asleep, I would wake up shortly and then I wasn't able to go back to sleep. So then I became obsessed with like counting the hours of sleep that I was getting. Mind you, yeah. at this time, um, I had a baby that was sleeping through the night since three and a half months. So it wasn't like I was up around the clock nursing mm. my baby. Like I had a baby that was sleeping through the night and the lack of sleep got worse and worse that led to me going into a full depression and i've i've never experienced feeling so low before can you describe specifically for you how did you feel think it can it can look and feel different on everyone um i didn't have that risk factor of suffering previously from anxiety or depression i don't have a family history of it so this was like the complete opposite of of what i always was every day work out every morning really working out is is like my therapy mm -hmm. um, and my me time i had zero interest in that and I just wanted to stay in bed, but I couldn't stay in bed. I obviously had to get up and be a mom to my two girls. And um, I just was exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally. When I got up in the morning, I could not wait to get back in bed at bedtime, um, which is horrible that I was like rushing my mm -hmm. days just because I did not want to be present mm -hmm. and living in that current reality. Things were worse if I knew like, you know, my toddler was going to be in daycare and, you know, my husband had a meeting and, oh my gosh, like I'm going to be home alone with the baby today. What if this thought comes back again? Mm -hmm. And then that just, you know, I spiraled. And oftentimes it was like, I didn't feel safe being around my baby, which sounds so, so horrible. You were still able to hold your baby and Yeah, I mean, it took some time. I had to kind of like back up and, you know, kind of like talk myself out of it, if you will. But it, it got really, really bad. And I was honest with my husband to the point where um, I just had said that, you know, I just, I don't feel like myself um, and I don't know what's going on, but like whatever this is, is horrible. And I had not told him about this thought that I had because I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. What is my husband going to think of me? Um, I was telling my husband that, you know, I don't feel comfortable being home alone. It just brings me a lot of anxiety. So I was just being very broad. Mm -hmm. And my both of our families are very, very supportive, like relying on other people to watch me so that I felt comfortable around mm -hmm. my baby. And when other people were around me, you would never know I was even suffering because I felt comfortable because I felt safe. Mm -hmm. And that thought was not going to come at me. But the minute everyone left, that's when I was in my darkest of times. I want to talk about something you you mentioned. When you went to get help, it was brushed off like, oh, it's this is normal. Talk about that. Yes. I it was a Saturday morning. I woke up. I had probably like two hours of sleep. It was really, really bad that night. My husband was getting ready to go to the gym and I had said to him, I got like two hours of sleep. I still feel so horrible. I don't know what's going on with me. And I just kept saying, I don't feel like myself. And 
If anyone ever says they don't feel like themselves, that is a cry for help. That led into this conversation. I, I had said to him, I just don't feel comfortable with you going to the gym this morning. Like I don't, I don't feel comfortable being home alone with the girls. And my other daughter was home. They were both sleeping. It was early. He's asking me questions. And for whatever reason, he asked me this crazy question. I don't think he was ever expecting my answer to, but I think that he could see at this point that I was really, really crying out for help. And he had asked me if the thought had ever come across my mind of harming myself. Like I remember this verbatim. I said, honestly, it has because whatever this is that's going on with me is the absolute worst. And I can't stand like living like this every day. And he's like, okay, look, we need to get you help immediately. And called all over. There were like no like support lines that could help me that early on a Saturday, which blows my mind. And my mother-in-law came over to watch the girls. We went to the ER and... I had a choice um, because I know that this is like so many women will say like, but I don't want to go to the hospital. And mm -hmm. I knew that I needed help. I needed to be removed like immediately from this current situation. And if I wanted to get help and be like the mom that I was prior and the person that I was, then I needed to be honest. And I was honest. I told them everything I had told my husband right before we went to the hospital about this horrible bot for the first time. Obviously, because I was very honest, they had to admit me to the psychiatric unit. And I, that's like a whole story within itself. Um, but I found comfort in being there, which is so horrible that any mom would ever feel that way. Because again, it, it removed me from like the places and the things that were giving me this anxiety, which was then causing this intrusive thought. And I, I had so much hope that I was going to find answers there and or begin my like healing process. And um, long story short, the psychiatrist that I met with there after him going over, you know, my story, um, he then said, you know, we don't think that you have postpartum depression. We think that, you know, it sounds like that you're just a worrier and that you are probably overwhelmed with having, you know, two kids close in age. And, you know, there's a lot being put on you as a mom, but, you know, based on like your family history, you don't sound like you have it. Yeah. And mind you, like when he was asking me questions about what do you do for a living? He asked me so much about like my husband, my family, that it was almost like he dismissed me because I appear different than majority of the, the people mm -hmm. that were in the yeah. psychiatric unit that he's used to. So yeah. I was married. Um, I had two healthy children. I have two very, very supportive families. Again, I had no risk factors as far as mental illness. I had a job for the past 13 years and the list can go on. So it was like he himself thought like, how could you be suffering from this? Like your life is perfect. So I was discharged with no diagnosis, just being a worrier. And I remember walking out of the hospital with my husband, thinking to myself, how the heck are they letting me go home right now? After I just told him everything, I really feel bad for that mom that that was me that was walking out of that hospital because I don't want to even think about what could have happened. And if my husband didn't advocate for me to find me help, my husband saved my life. I truly mean that. So after that, talk about how you found help. I want to get specific. Where did you go from there? Yeah. So from there, um, my husband had called all over and finally found a place that happened to be 25 minutes from our house that I never knew about. Most people don't. It's like a hidden gem. And it is a perinatal mood and anxiety center out of a local hospital near us. They specialize in dealing with and helping moms during pregnancy or um, even just trying to conceive postpartum up until that year that are suffering from what they believe is a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. And just to specify, so that could be uh, pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, pregnancy and postpartum depression, um, the, the pregnancy and postpartum OCD where you're like obsessed mm -hmm. with 
mostly Mm -hmm. a thought. Post-traumatic stress disorder, which is very, very common, especially for moms that have, um, you know, children that have been in the NICU, um, a traumatic birth experience or traumatic pregnancy. And then there is also psychosis, which is like a whole other level. Um, But that's like the spectrum. So um, my husband had found this place. The um, lady, Lisa, that runs it is truly an angel on earth. She suffered as well a long time ago. And she told him to bring me right there. She set me up with a therapist um, and a nurse practitioner. And um, the key is, is that they all specialize in the perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. So I wasn't meeting with a therapist that sees people for all different things. Like they truly understand what this is, what the cause of it is, what's real and what's not real when a woman is sharing all of this stuff with her. Mm-hmm. So there's no judgment. And again, it seemed like the thousandth time I'm sharing my entire story again. <laughs> she like didn't even react. She didn't move off of her seat. And I'm like, you should be reacting. This is not normal what I'm sharing with you. And she kind of just stopped me and said like, you're, you're having intrusive thoughts. That's so common in postpartum. Um, and I know they seem so real and they're so scary, but I promise you they're not. They're brought on by anxiety. She, you know, kind of gave me like the education behind what could cause um, a woman to suffer. And like I said, a lot of it has to do with hormones, but of course, you know, extra stress and sleep and all of that can only add to it. And she gave me the biggest hug and told me that it's temporary, it's treatable, and that I was in the right place and I was I was going to get better. That was like a breath of fresh air. Like that gave me the hope. I finally had an answer. I didn't feel like I was crazy anymore. Um, and and that was truly like when I felt like I was in the right place and that somebody really understood me. For you specifically, what was your treatment? They highly recommend, I was recommended for weekly therapy. They have, prior to COVID, tons of group therapy there as well, which is so amazing because now you are sitting with other moms that really are living what you're living. And it might look like different things and sound like different things, but they get it. And when everyone says like cliche, like you're not alone, you really realize that you are not alone. And then they highly recommend antidepressants as well, which may not be for everyone. Um, And again, leading up to this, I had never been to a therapist. I am someone that doesn't like to take Advil for headaches, but I went in there again with the mindset that I am willing to do whatever it takes to get better um, and to be that mom that I was before. And more importantly, to be me again. So I did whatever they said. I went to weekly therapy, loved my therapist. Um, I think that's very important. It needs to feel like you are kind of like a friend in a way um, because you're sharing your life with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that validation is so important. And then the group therapy, like I said, kind of like finding your tribe, people that that get it. And then I chose to go on an, an antidepressant. And that was truly like life-changing for me. Um, but I love the me that I am on an antidepressant. And now it's like I'm able to really see what is worth worrying about and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels good because then I, I feel like I'm so much more present. When they say that it's temporary and treatable, it is, but I truly believe that you need to put the work in and not just, you know, going on an antidepressant, but doing that with therapy because that validation is so important and and truly understanding like, what is this? What is going Mm -hmm. on in the body that could have caused this? And how can I make changes moving forward? And as the weeks and months went on, I realized that like I was coming full circle and I was that mom there that was speaking out and giving hope to the moms that had just mm-hmm. come in and telling them that like, I'm, I'm living proof, like you're going to get better because I'm like 80% there. And there was a point where um, the lady Lisa that runs this center um, had approached me about this new IV treatment called Zareso um, that had recently come out and it is for um, postpartum depression. And it is a three-day stay in a hospital. It's a, an IV and basically it's 
serotonin, which is like your happy hormone Mm -hmm. that's, you know, took a huge dip and it's kind of just pumping that back into your body and it's bringing you back to who you were before. So if you are always an anxious person, it's just going to bring you back to that. Whoever you were before, that's kind of, you know, your baseline. You know, I was interested in learning about it, um, the pros, the cons, and that hospital was, I think, the first to even administer it. Um, and the lady Lisa had a huge role in in getting this um, FDA approved. So um, I had talked to several other girls at the hospital that had gotten it and had great results. So I ultimately decided to get it because this was my my life and my mental health, and that is so much more important than anything else. Mm-hmm. It was like six days after when I was home, I woke up one morning and I said to myself, I finally feel like myself again. And that fog had finally lifted. And I was able to think clearly for the first time in months. It's almost a year now. I got that last November. I continued Um, on the antidepressant, which they highly suggest. I have weaned to a lower dosage now, um, very, very slowly. And I Mm. no longer doing therapy. um, And I now, instead of feeling like I can conquer it all and I can do it all, I am very quick to ask for help and I'm very quick to accept help. We know ourselves so well. um, And I truly believe that if you're questioning if something is normal or right, or questioning like, should I seek help or should I tell my you know, significant other, then you know that you need, you need help. Um, and it's okay to admit that you need help because it doesn't mean that you're a bad mom or you're crazy or uh, the list can go on mm-hmm. and social media doesn't help because yeah. everyone makes it look like this is the easiest thing. And another common thing is that so many moms at the center have said like, everyone makes it seem like you have a baby and it's the best moment of your life and you're so happy. And so many women there have said, I had my baby and my first thought was, what the heck did I just do? Like Mm -hmm. there was no connection, no happy, like, oh my gosh, over the moon feeling. And that's like, that's horrible for a mom to feel that way, but to feel that way and think that they're not normal. Mm-hmm. That is a very common feeling. Um, and it's a co- very common symptom that you don't yeah. have that bond. But again, it is temporary. It's treatable. That bond will come, but it's it's understanding that yeah. you may just need a little bit of help. Yeah. I just want to finish with one last question. So knowing what you know now, and you've uh, clearly learned a lot, um, if let's say you have another child. Anything you can do to prepare yourself? Obviously now um, I do have a risk factor because I have suffered from it. So um, if we were to have more children, it would be something that um, I would keep a close eye on and I would you know, attend the Perinatal Mood and Anxiety Disorder Center still so that they could help me. And um, just having gone through it, I'm so much more aware of my body and my mind and moving forward, just listening to um, my intuition. If I know that I am depleted and I need a break, I need to speak up because um, mm-hmm. I can't you know, think that my husband's going to be able to read my mind and say like, honey, why don't you go upstairs and take a little break? Um, I need to speak up. I need to advocate for myself. And now I'm like, I do want more children. And While that can be scary because yes, there is a chance that this can happen again. Um, I know that the second I have symptoms, I'm reaching out for help. Mm -hmm. The second mother is Hannah Novak. She's a mother of three. She lives in Kentucky in the USA and she experienced postpartum depression with her second child. So let's listen to her story. I am almost 25. I have a Mm six-year-old, a a three-and-a-half-year-old, and then our five-week-old. And which birth did you experience postpartum depression? I noticed I had postpartum depression after I had my three-year-old. So I basically had a miscarriage in between every baby. So I had our first baby, and then I had a miscarriage, and then our second baby, and then a miscarriage, and then finally 
our five week old. So I was so, I got pregnant pretty soon after that first miscarriage. And I think I was processing a lot of that as well as my own mother related childhood wounds. I think that manifested. I became a mom and with my, with my second baby, when I noticed I had postpartum depression was really also when I started um, coming into myself as a mom. And I'm sure not everybody is this way because it presents so differently and different people. And then you hear one person's experience and you think, oh, well, I don't have that. What were the specific symptoms that you had during your postpartum depression? I, I wasn't as ambitious as I was before and I felt sad a lot. It was harder to process the hard things going on in life around me because, you know, like just because you have a baby doesn't mean life stops, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was kind of a continuation of how I felt after that first miscarriage, which you can actually get postpartum depression after a miscarriage too. And I think it had maybe begun then and I didn't realize it until after I I had had my second baby that, oh, I've been dealing with this for a while, feeling sad, harder to process the difficult things in life around me, mm-hmm. um, just feeling not social, kind of lethargic, um, loss of appetite, things like that. And you didn't experience this after the birth of your first child? I did not. After I had my first baby, I was in a little bit of ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I think uh, with, with our first baby, uh, my husband and I had her very young when we were very young and we decided to do all the things that we had always done that we always wanted to do, you know, traveling and such uh, with her. And we were in this very like young and adventurous ignorance is bliss kind of stage (laughs) and she just came with us everywhere we went caution to the wind with like resting for postpartum healing i was like out hiking down bainbridge island off of the coast of washington state at nine days postpartum (laughs) where i was at in my life i think i i hadn't really come into myself as a mom yet and was just figuring that out So by the time you had your second, like you said, um, realizing some childhood traumas or things from your past that were coming up, you were in mom life with your other child. So you experienced the symptoms with your second. Did you get an official uh, diagnosis from a doctor? I actually started uh, therapy online through um, BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling, which has been really helpful in everything going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to have a continuation of that, what we kind of figured out was just that it was a conglomeration of things that maybe my postpartum hormones made it a little bit more difficult to deal with with those childhood traumas and things that were that were also coming up. I never got an official diagnosis. Okay. So you did that counseling for how long? I started doing counseling once a week and I still do counseling just for maintenance and kind of tailor that depending on how my life during having the baby, but having it online really makes it a little bit more easily accessible, which is really nice. That kind of amplified everything, having that second child and motherhood. It just brought everything to the surface. It's kind of hard to share, or I'm not really sure what to share sometimes because it involves so much of my own mom's story. My mom had postpartum depression with my younger siblings that she had when I was much older. So I watched her go through that. So by the time I experienced it, I felt a lot of like shame around even dealing with postpartum depression. And especially like seeking therapy, counseling, like I thought something was really wrong with me. It felt very lonely. Yeah. So when you were in that postpartum depression, how were you taking care of your baby? Were you not able to care for your child or you were okay? I was still okay. What happened was I was able to be there present for them. My husband also works from home and Mm -hmm. we are self-employed. So there's a lot of flexibility there. And he definitely had to help out more around the house because by the time I took care of the kids, (laughs) two under two is a little bit rough, especially not including postpartum depression. Um, He definitely picked up more of the housework such, but one of the things that I still kind of have as a product of that time 
is memory loss. Like I was able to take care of them and function with them, mm-hmm. but I don't really have any memories. I took a ton of pictures, thankfully, and I look back on pictures and that's how I know <laughs> I have a little bit of like blank space there in my memory because I look at a picture and I'm like, I don't remember that being taken. Uh, that's a little bit of something that I've had to grieve. So the feelings you had were more with your past and not as much with your children. Right. Yeah. It didn't really affect my bond with them. Okay. Always wanted to be a mom. And I was trying to grip the reality that maybe being a mom didn't look like I always thought it would look, uh, you know. What did you think it would look like? I thought, well, I thought my family would look a certain way. Um, I thought... Uh, my husband and I both come from families of mostly girls. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'd have a bunch of little girls really close together. I certainly never thought I'd have miscarriages. I never thought I'd have secondary infertility, which is what we went through before we had my five-week-old. Just those those harder things that motherhood presents. It wasn't my girlhood dream of motherhood. So you ha- um, do you have two boys and a girl? I do have two boys. My oldest is a okay. girl and then my three and five week old are boys. Yeah. Did your husband encourage you to seek out support? Yeah. Uh, my husband and I are pretty close. We were, we were friends for a long, long, long time, actually, before we ever were a couple. Mm-hmm. And He was probably the first and maybe the only for a while to see that in me, I think because of the shame that I had around depression and talking about it or letting other people see that side of myself, which I think was part of why it was so isolating. He was definitely the first one to tell me it was about nine months after we had our second baby that we started suspecting postpartum depression. It can happen anytime within the first yeah. year and it's been beyond that, which is a real sucker. When did it start for you? When that you felt better? It started for me, I, well, I noticed it at nine months postpartum, but I think it really began at maybe three or four months postpartum and it extended until he was about two. So from nine months old to two years old. And I started, that's when I started actively working with therapist and doctor. And I was exploring, I'm all about exploring root causes. I really take a holistic approach to my health. So I was seeing all kinds of different doctors and specialists to address any hormonal root, anything that could possibly be going on with it just to eliminate and relieve like a little bit. For the mother listening that maybe she's in it right now, maybe she doesn't know, maybe she's she's going to have her baby. And if it happens, what are some things you could suggest that have helped you talk specific, specifically about you? Because I know every, for everyone it's different, but what helped you? What helped me the most, I think, was twofold. I think having hormonal labs done by my naturopath doctor really helped me have a baseline of where I should be hormonally and if anything was off to see what supplements would specifically help me later and um, if that was causing the issue. Mm -hmm. uh, That was extremely helpful. I'm kind of a sensitive person. I can feel when my hormones are off, but it's helpful to know exactly, um, mm-hmm. exactly what's off. So because vitamins are expensive and <laughs> seeing a naturopath in general for me, because they explored all root causes with me in conjunction with, uh, my therapist and they were able to work really closely with her and see, okay, what is your therapist saying? What can we do? Mm-hmm. Um, we did genetic testing even, and my naturopath doctor went through that with me. They were really thorough with me. And that helped me a lot. And I think the other thing that I wish I would have done sooner is just go to therapy sooner. Before I felt like something was wrong, I wish I would have gone to therapy. I think I thought there had to be something majorly wrong, like an absolute disaster in my life, which is probably why it felt like even more of a disaster. I felt like it had to be this catastrophic thing for me to seek help. Uh, I wish before I'd even had kids or before, after I'd had them, but before I felt like anything was wrong, just go to therapy. Like 
the most that will happen is you'll just get to talk to somebody for an hour or you might discover or I might have discovered all this sooner. Yeah. Yeah, so how do you feel today? Like you have a five week old. How do you feel now? Like mentally, physically? I feel pretty good. I think I'm coming into who I really am as a mom and less of than that pie in the sky, like picturesque reality that I always had in my head, like from the time I was a kid. Um, I've learned that depression doesn't make me a bad mom, that therapy and staying on top of supplements and medication if necessary is, is really helpful. I, um, I've continued therapy. I have continued taking supplements and I have definitely kept a closer watch on myself through this past pregnancy and postpartum now, just so that if anything happens um, and however I'm feeling, we can stay on top of that sooner. And today's third mother speaking is Amanda Kasha. So she is from Toronto, Canada, and she experienced postpartum depression with her first child. Let's listen to her story. So I have two children. I mm-hmm. have a daughter, Ava. She's going to be four years old in two weeks. Um, and then I have my son, Max. He's four months old currently. The postpartum depression I experienced was with my first daughter, uh, Ava. So it started probably a couple of days after she was born. Um, and it was something that was ongoing throughout my, my uh, time with her. Um, with Max, I was able to kind of preemptively put a plan in place. So I didn't, I'm happy to say I didn't experience the same, uh, the same symptoms and, and experience the, the perinatal depression with my first daughter. When did you realize it was postpartum depression? Um, I think so. I had, after I had the baby, um, you know, things were, it was just, it was difficult. It was really hard. And I know that there's definitely an adjustment period. Um, when you have a new baby and you become a new mom, you're, you're adjusting, right? Your whole life is mm-hmm. changed through this metamorphosis where you, you know, you, you could do all these things before and now you, you can't. Um, but I realized that it was definitely more than just kind of like the baby blues, um, and mourning my old life. It was, it was really uh, an issue when I couldn't go maybe 10 minutes without just like bursting into tears. And it was something I couldn't even control. I would just, you know, be looking at her or trying to do something and I would just break down into tears, like just uncontrollably crying. Um, and just constantly having that feeling in the pit of my stomach that was just like a tightness feeling kind of like it was just hard to breathe almost. Um, and just that constant, that constant worry and that weight just always kind of lingering around and being there. Um, and really when I couldn't, when I couldn't kind of control my, my emotions and I would just have these emotional outbursts or these crying outbursts, um, that's really when I I realized that there was, there was definitely a problem and I knew to, to speak to someone about it, um, to, to get some treatment. Mm-hmm. And was it something was triggered when you were holding your baby with your child or it, your daughter didn't even have to be around? She didn't even have to be around. It was just all the, all the time, like just everything. Things weren't, weren't going right in the day. Like I spilled the milk or I forget to leave, left the bottle on the counter for too long. Just little things would just kind of send into like just a crying kind of fit. And it was just really hard to kind of like put, pull myself back together and to, to calm myself down. So I realized, you know, it was, it was more than just being overwhelmed as a new mom. It was really something that like I was, it was beyond my control. Like I couldn't kind of uh, control it even when I wanted to. So how long did it take you until you, you told yourself, oh, I should see professional help? Um, I would say probably about one to two months. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a really supportive partner. You know, he was around, he was seeing the changes in my behavior. He was seeing the way I was, I was reacting, um, you know, and he was very encouraging. Um, so we had taken Ava actually to her, I think it was probably her, it was her one or two month follow-up with, with the doctor. And, you know, my doctor just said, she said, okay, so how, how are things going? Is everything okay? And I just broke down in her office crying and just said like, no, like things are, things are really not okay. I feel this overwhelming sense of like despair and just, uh, I'm constantly crying. I can't control it. I'm having, was having a really hard time bonding with Ava. You know, I kind of felt like she was this little creature that was just on me all the time and drinking and nursing. And it was just, wasn't something I was enjoying. And I I felt very, um, I, I was having a hard time bonding with her. So just talking to the doctor about that was, I found really helpful. She was great. She, you know, uh, put me on a, on a treatment plan right away. And I, I was fortunate that I was receptive to it and able to kind of get the help. What was that treatment plan? 
my treatment plan, she put me on um, an antidepressant, so an SSRI antidepressant called citalopram uh, right away, a 40 milligram of that, as well as coupling that with um, some talk therapy, the, the cognitive behavior therapy. Um, and luckily in Toronto, there's a, a lot of the hospitals have great uh, postpartum clinics. So I was able to get in touch with someone at uh, Sunnybrook Hospital has a really great uh, outpatient program where I could talk to someone who specialized in postpartum. So it was it was definitely a, a mixture of the therapy um, as well as the medication as well, which was very helpful. And at that postpartum clinic, what were some suggestions? Like, when- um, so I only the, the medication honestly was like night and day for me. I think that was definitely uh, what I found to be most helpful for me. Um, I mean, everybody's treatment plan looks different. For me, that was like from taking the medication to not taking the medication, it was night and day. But in the clinic, it was really helpful because the nurses were very supportive um, and the mental health professionals there were really supportive Mm -hmm. um, and talking about, you know, it's okay. Like it's normal to feel these feelings. Like it's normal to feel, you know, not to not have that instance kind of bond with your child, right? Everyone kind of thinks like, oh, you have this baby and you're instantly bonded to them and you, you know, you love them to pieces. And, you know, they were saying, well, it takes time, right? You're adjusting, you're getting Mm -hmm. to know each other. You have to learn each other. You have to get to know each other. So it just validating my feelings, I think, and that what I was feeling wasn't like, I'm a terrible mother for you know, for feeling this way, just really validating those feelings was super important. Um, as well as the importance, you know, they really reinforce like, the importance of sleeping. So if your partner is able to, then have him feed baby in the evening, in the nighttime. So you get like a longer stretch, not putting the emphasis on breastfeeding as much. I was really hard on myself about like, I have to breastfeed, I have to do this. And that was just an extra stressor. That was really, really hard for me. Um, so just, you know, talking about, if you want to supplement with formula, that's okay. Like you kind of have to find your own and find what works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a lot, very, very good at validating, I think, my feelings and my experiences, which was great. And then talking through some suggestions of how to kind of how to cope. So just taking a, a break, going through some breathing exercises, um, making sure I'm asking for help and being, you know, specific with what my needs are. Um, mm-hmm. so it open-ended. We're, we're all things that I, you know, useful tools that I gained from visiting the, uh, the clinic at Sunnybrook. Mm-hmm. In a two, it may be in a two, three week span. I, I visited twice. Um, and then I felt confident just following up with my, my family doctor, right. I was following up with her and then being on the, the medication. Um, you know, I really felt a good, like very more stable than I had been before. So I felt like I had received, you know, good support. Um, but I mean, they, they always kept the door open too. So they said, you know, even if you don't feel like you need to come every week now, maybe mm-hmm. if you want to the future, you're always, always able to go. So it was, uh, it was a good opportunity. Were you able to keep taking those medications during your second pregnancy? Yeah, so yes. Okay. Medication, yeah, throughout uh, breastfeeding Ava and then as well through my pregnancy with Max and con- continuing it on now, you know, one of the, that was one of my concerns when I was talking about, you know, getting pregnant again and all of these things. Um, and, you know, my doctor, she said it pretty well. She said like, it's, it, it's more important for your baby to have a happy mother. Benefits outweigh the, the risks. Babies need a healthy, happy parent. So, you know, you need to, you need to do what you need to do to, to make sure that you can be that for your child. In one of your posts on Instagram, you said that with your second pregnancy, you would love to feel happy having a child, have a newborn. And because of the pressure you put to feel better and not have postpartum with your second child, that it took it took longer to get pregnant. Is that correct? Yeah. So we had, well, we had some fertility um, issues. So when we got pregnant with Ava, it was, you know, very easy yeah I'm talking about you um and uh and you know after I had Ava it was just it was it was a really difficult time and I had kind of said like I'm never having another baby like this is my one we're a one child family I'm never having a baby again because <laughs> um, it was just very you know overwhelming and stressful so then when we wanted to try to get pregnant again we just it I was able to get pregnant and then I kept having recurrent miscarriages so around the nine ten week mark um I would lose I would lose the pregnancy so uh that happened about four times before we were we were referred to a fertility specialist um you know but during that I was kind of kicking myself it was one of those like be careful what you say and wish for because mm. I had said, like, oh I never want a baby again and now you know now I really wanted one and, and it's been happening so that was you know kind of stressful and also because I I didn't enjoy those baby moments with Ava right I I didn't enjoy 
you know, the newborn stage. I mean, I don't know how much anyone can really enjoy the newborn stage, but Mm. you know, I didn't, I took those moments for granted. Like I was always wanting her to be older, wanting things to be easier, waiting for that next stage when, when things would be, I guess in my mind, I thought a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really wanted that second chance. Like, and he's my, Max is my, you know, he's my second chance. He's my opportunity to kind of be able to experience motherhood again and to enjoy it because now I, you know, I know what it can be like when you're not feeling weighed down by um, the postpartum, you're able to to, to be happy and to really just like Mm -hmm. enjoy. Um, It's been a completely different experience, which I'm, you know, I credit that to to kind of being preventative with my treatment plan and continuing with the medication, Um, not not stopping and just kind of waiting to see how it goes and just enjoying him so much. And, you know, especially now that I know how fast time flies, my like hand and slow down and appreciate those those little moments. Do you think you had certain expectations going into being a mom? Um, So when I had my daughter, I was 27. None of my friends were married, had children. None of my husband's friends are married, have children. Um, so I was kind of the first, the first one in that regard. And I mean, it was life changing. Like it was, I was really mourning parts of my old life, just, just having freedom, like being able to, to have the freedom to do things I wanted to do when I wanted to do them. You know, that people say like, oh, you know, you're not going to get any sleep when the baby comes. And like, you don't realize how true that is until it actually happens. And then you're thinking, yeah. Am I ever, I was just like, am I ever going to sleep again? Like it was just, you know, things like that. Like just being able to sleep in was something I was like, oh, I would just, I wish I could just sleep in. Um, so I think it was definitely parts of that. And then, yeah, the expectations with motherhood, like I think it's depicted, you know, in, in, in media and in TV and books, it's this beautiful experience and you love every single minute of it. And like, you know, having a baby is the greatest thing in the world. And we don't really see the parts of it that aren't great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really experiencing those things, like I, 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 we had Ava and I thought, oh my, this was a giant mistake. Like my life was so good before. Like I, this was, this was a mistake. Like what have we done? Yeah. Why did I do this? Right. Um, and feeling just like, oh my, like my life is, I ruined my life. Like that's, that's how I felt for, mm-hmm. for a while until I was able to kind of, um, you know, get the treatment and, and, and find that, that balance between mm-hmm. the care I need for myself and the, the me time that I need. And also you know, for my, for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you finding that time right now? You still have a little baby. So how are you finding that time to take care of you? Um, I think I, I think now I make myself more of a priority and I know what I need. So for me right now, one of the things I got into actually after having Ava was running. So running outside was something I had never done. I've never been like an athletic person in my life, but I was like, you know what? I, I've signed up for so many gym memberships that like I never use and go a couple times and then, you know, that was it. And then I discovered running. I joined this mom, this mom group um, that would meet in the evenings and, and go for a run. And it was kind of like a couch With to the strollers, baby strollers. Yeah. Learn to run, which I did. And I just, I loved it. So for me right now, one of the things I know I need, I, I do for myself is just to get out and go for a run. So 20 minutes, just even if it's just 20 minutes if I can if I can get away get out and go for a run and it just makes me feel so much better so with Ava sorry with Ava you didn't do any running or exercise nothing I honestly never like I hate like physical activity and me it's like no what did you do physically beforehand nothing I was not not like into the the exercise. That was just not, not me. Right. So, I mean, I'm a teacher, so I'm on my feet all the time. Um, so I do have a fairly like active job doing Like I I didn't enjoy it. I would just hate working out. Um, when I found running and I discovered that this like whole new part of myself that I just love, um, and it was something that just gave me really great confidence. It was something I would, I would get better at it. The more I practiced, you know, when I was actually, when I started, I could run for maybe, maybe 60 seconds. And then I was just like out of breath dying. You know, now I'm doing five kilometers like so ah. it's, yeah it's it's great I mean I, I'm not great at it I'm not I'm not that fast um but you know just just like making it and getting there it's just a huge accomplishment for me and it, it's mm-hmm. something that makes me feel good about myself and yeah it, it definitely I notice a big difference in my my mental health my patience my everything when I when I'm able to get out and, and get that, that bit of exercise and just you know do something that makes me feel good so knowing what you know now for the mother listening maybe she's pregnant maybe she's 
she's going through it. She's not sure. Would you have done anything differently with your first daughter? A hundred percent. I definitely, definitely, definitely would not have put the pressure on myself that I put on to breastfeed. I was just like obsessed with breastfeeding. For me, it was like, if you don't breastfeed, you're not a good mom. And I have breastfed both my children. Um, but those months where I was really struggling in the beginning with Ava, it was, I, I think I would have been much happier and much healthier had I just given her some formula. I was pumping all the time. So instead of sleeping, I was pumping, right? When my husband would wake up to feed her her night feed, the expressed milk, I would get back on the pump and pump more so that I don't think I really needed. And then also just to increase my supply, she was, mm-hmm. uh, so my daughter was, she was five, five pounds when she was born. So we were really trying to get her weight up. So I found with pumping, I could actually see how much she was, how mm-hmm. much milk. Um, I think breastfeeding is wonderful. And I think if that's what, you know, a mom wants to do, then totally support that. I just don't think, don't think it's the, the be all and end all. And I, you know, your mental health needs to be a priority. Already. I think just, you know, listening to your body and just being able to be open with, with how, how you're feeling. You know, a lot of the times I, I was, I was really struggling and I felt, um, I felt like I've got to be the only person in the world feeling this way, you know, just to know that, that other people do feel that way and have felt that way. And if you don't, mm-hmm. if you're a new mom or you're going to be a new mom, um, and you don't find yourself loving it right away, that's okay. And that's normal. Right. And it, it takes time to bond with your baby and it takes time to really get into this new role. And you, you kind of get thrown into this, like, now you're a mom. And I think it's okay. If you're not, you know, if you're not loving it right away, it's okay. And it's okay to acknowledge that. And it's okay to get a more in your old life. And it's okay to realize that it takes time to come into your own as a mother. And it's not going to be perfect and great and happy right away. It, it's something that definitely takes time. I don't remember the name of it. It's a, uh, it's, it's a, if you Google like just depression, depression, symptom of depression test, it comes up and it's just a series of questions and it's about 10 questions and it asks you like yes or no question. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, or I'm able to enjoy things as much as I did before somewhat, not, not at all very much. Right. And you, and you do this and then it rates, it gives you a number and based on that number gives you a very good indication of, of where you're kind of falling on the spectrum. If it's just kind of like baby blues or if it's, you know, something more. So I would definitely say like when I did that, just asking myself those questions, it was like, no, I'm not doing the things I used to do. I'm not enjoying things the way, the way I used to. I'm not able to see the good side of things like I used mm-hmm. to. Um, so that was really helpful. But I mean, honestly, I think everybody knows their body best and they know, they know themselves. If you feel that something's not right, it probably isn't. So, you know, don't be a hero. Don't struggle through it. Don't, you know, just force your, force yourself to kind of suffer through this. It's, it's, I think it's asking for help is, is hugely important. I know there's a lot of stigma that comes with asking for help. I know there's a lot of stigma that comes with taking medication. But, you know, at the end of the day, you, you need to be healthy and happy in order to be the best mom for your baby. There's so many great resources online. There's counseling, um, you know, and there's lots of hospitals will have a department where you can call and you can speak to someone who's a, just trained in postpartum, um, a, a nurse who's, who's specifically trained in mental health and, and postpartum depression. And, you know, they're able to give you an assessment too. So I, I think that it's always better. It's better to be safe than sorry. And, you know, if you're feeling that something's not right, you know, don't punish yourself and struggle through it because you feel like, you, you know, you have to and you don't have another option. There's there's always, um, there's lots of help available. You just have to, you have to be willing to take that first step and ask for it. And mm-hmm. that's, that's huge. Yeah, that's perfect. I'm curious, your Instagram account says the uncensored mommy. Um, yes. Why did you choose that, that name? I find a lot of the time when we talk about motherhood, we talk about parenting, we're always censoring. When I had my child, I hated being a mom. <laughs> but I, I did. Like when I first had my daughter, I, I hated it. I thought, oh my God, this was a huge mistake. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think a lot of the times when it comes to motherhood, we censor ourselves because we don't want other people to perceive us in a different way. We don't want people to think less of us. You know, a lot of the Instagram accounts I see, the mom Instagram accounts I see, it's like, this is my perfectly clean house. This is my, these are my perfect children. And we're doing all these perfect, you know, learning activities and everything's great. And that's not what real life is. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think if we continue to think about motherhood as being this perfect, flawless, you know, you're not a good mom unless you're baking cookies like Martha Stewart every day. And you're not doing these engaging crafts and activities with your kid. That is this perfect, not messy, very curated kind of Instagram feed. We don't, you don't really get a good idea. And I think that's why a lot of people feel so unprepared, right? Was it easy for you to start sharing about your postpartum experience? You know what? The postpartum experience, no. Um, the miscarriage, yes. So that was a really that was a you know a struggle that uh, our family went through trying to trying to to conceive Mac. 
because I don't think there's as much of a miscarriage, a stigma around miscarriage as there is around, you know, the postpartum mental health. Right. Um, And then I think it just kind of gave me the confidence to talk about, you know, everything and Mm. and kind of talk about, you know, yes, I have experienced postpartum depression and it was horrible, but it's, you know, it's something that I've gone through and I, and it's something I'm, I'm passionate about kind of educating people about so that people don't feel like I did. So they don't feel like they're alone. So they don't feel like they're a bad mom. So they don't feel like they're, you know, they're, they're not capable of, of being a good parent, which is definitely something that was hard, hard for me to do. Cause it was something I was very, very private about. And only, you know, a few close people knew that that's what I had been going through um, because of the stigma. Right. So I, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. to kind of to de- in an effort to destigmatize it and to, to, you know, make it part of the mainstream conversation for moms to be first time mom, second time mom, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you know someone who's experiencing this, like I, when I, after I had my daughter, you know, things were super hard and my husband's friends were over and, you know, I was just obviously like, just kind of in a, in a daze. And, you know, he said to me, he's like, well, you have to toughen up. This is your life now. And it was just, yeah, stabbed to the heart, right? Like I couldn't breathe. I felt like it could not. Yeah, there were lots of things I wanted to say, but in the moment I, I, I died. Oh my gosh, but yeah. The fact that people would still say something like that to, you know, somebody who's clearly struggling, a mother who's expressing like, this is hard, mm-hmm. I think is, you know, it's very telling. So I think that that's important. I think we really need to, even for people who haven't, de-stig- who haven't experienced postpartum depression, to destigmatize it. Like maybe, you know, you were lucky, you yeah. were fortunate, you didn't experience that, but other people do. Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening, two, three, four, five, six stars, whatever you feel reflect podcast. This will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye guys. Bye.